Today, we're going to be talking, continuing to talk, I should say, about love. We're taking a little bit of a different tactic today. We're talking about a tool that is really required if love is to bloom. And it doesn't matter whether you're in a committed relationship, if we're talking about friends or family, there is something that has to exist with love. So the title of the talk is Listening with the Heart. The subject matter is Truly Listening. And we're going to start out with a listening test. Are you ready? Listen carefully. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time The touchdown brings me round and get to find I'm not the man they think I am at home Okay, all right. So I've been listening to this song for, I don't know, 25 years, probably more than that. Um, first of all, let's do the basics for those of you who are maybe born after 1980, right? We got we to start somewhere. It's, it's Elton John, 1972. It was, it was kind of like when his career was first taking off. The name of the song is Rocket Man, obviously. Um, let's hear that last bit of lyrics one more time. Intent listening now. Rocket man, okay, so for 20 some years, when I was in the shower, when I was in the car, I was singing, burning up this used up hair alone. <laughs> <laughs> and I <I'm, laughs> And, I, and we'll get to what the lyrics really are, because I imagine there are people out there right now that are going, well, I wouldn't have gotten the, the used up hair, but, but still I'm not sure what it was. We'll talk about that in a minute. But why is it that I could go for 22 years singing that song a lot? I mean, and in fact, you still hear it. I heard it the other day in an elevator being played with violins, <laughs> and I just had to laugh. It has to do with the way that we actually process audio information. And believe it or not, we don't process it word for word. We take in a glump, that's a technical term, I guess. We take in a glump of audio, we try to match it against known patterns in our mind, and if we come up with a relatively good match, we're done. <laughs> And so that is why I could go 22 years. It didn't need to make sense. It matched a pattern of words in my mind. And that was all it took. Communication, according to Thich Nhat Hanh, is one of the most important things that we have. In fact, he says that communication and love have to exist simultaneously. You can't really have true love unless there's a communication of it. And communication itself exists so that we can share ourselves with other people, so that more love can be here on the planet. And he says that the more important part of this isn't the talking, it's the listening. Here's how he says it. If we love someone... We must train ourselves to be able to really listen. By listening with calm and understanding, by listening with the heart, we can ease the suffering of almost anyone. An hour spent in true listening can relieve a great deal of another person's pain. Just 
by listening. But he goes on to say, you know, listening isn't as easy as we think it is. So, so the actual lyrics here were Rocket Man burning out his fuse up here alone. Okay? So now, I'm, some of you are probably already on your smartphones trying to, trying to get that out. It's no, no big secret. Rocket Man burning out his fuse up here alone. So that's the words. And I would suggest to you that even just getting the words right in our communications with each other is very important. How many times does someone embarking upon telling us something and immediately we seize on a pattern in our own head and from then on we're kind of not really listening because we've already decided what they're saying or what they're going to say and off we go. For those of you in families, have you ever had that experience of talking about something that happened in childhood, you know, a favorite birthday party or an experience? exciting Christmas where everyone was present and you'll go, oh yeah, and then mom did this and dad did that and your your spouse or your uh, brother or sister will say, well, that's not what happened. She didn't say that and he didn't do that. And you know what? Probably neither of you are right. (laughs) It's that process of filtering that pattern matching that will make us imagine that someone is saying something that will fit into our idea of what they should say or what they would say. Now, this is where this starts getting a little bit scary. Do you know what I mean? Because we're really, in our mind, filling in the ends of sentences for people all day long. We're jumping to what we're going to conclude they have said so that we can be ready with the comeback. We don't actually finish listening. They, they get about five words into a sentence. We're already completed the sentence and are immediately coming back with the comeback. So first of all, listening is taking the time to truly listen. Let people finish their sentences before you understand what they've said. Because you could be wrong. The second thing I think that is really important is the context. And I want to use a, a short example from my own life. So uh, my partner and I are very excited. We're I'm doing, starting to do yard work. We finally got our yard put in, and it's going to be lovely this year. We're out working in it a little bit, as we've done off and on, um, you know, weather permitting. And I noticed how grumpy he was. And he actually, and for those of you who know Daniel, you'll go, really? And I, not only was he grumpy, he said a few unkind things. And my, my first reaction is kind of like, mm, mm. do you know what I mean? I was raised as one of those people when someone says something unkind to you, you kind of like, <laughs> you know? But I remembered, I remembered, you know, this is not really the way to be with people. Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's not hold a grudge or, you know, um, just not say anything. There could be something important here. And it wasn't actually until later in the day that I realized the context of what was going on. It was his mother's birthday. And she had passed away earlier. Also, the yard we were working in, The year she lived with us, she helped pick out the plants and things that went in this yard. There was a huge context around his being grumpy that day. And, of course, when I asked him about it and we, we figured this out, there was no way he was trying to be unkind to me. He was missing his mom. How often do we even hear the words but still miss the total context of what's going on? How often do we seize upon just the words and figure they're about us 
when in reality, the context is something completely different. And in fact, I made a, a compact with myself, a pact with myself a couple years ago because I truly was raised as one of those people. In fact, I can still remember my mom saying, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. And so it used to be when, <laughs> oh, I see, I, you, you've all met my mother, all right. <laughs> But there's a real danger here. There's a real danger here. Because then you go through life just thinking people are cruel to you. Because you're not going to come back and figure out anything, right? So I made myself a, a, a little pact um, a couple of years ago. And I said, I am not going to let that be me. If someone says something that I perceive as unkind, I'm going to ask them about it. I'm going to say something like, oh my gosh, you know, when you said that, my heart just got this sinking feeling. I mean, because what the takeaway was that you really don't like me or, or you know, you think I'm stupid or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and, and is that really, you know, where you were coming from? And I want to report the results to you. After two years, not a single person was trying to purposefully press my buttons or hurt me in any way. Not a single person in two years. And what I have concluded is that all of those hurts are my own projection. That there are just very few people on this planet that wake up in the morning and think, how can I make Star's Day a little more miserable? <laughs> I'm sorry to pick on you. But, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? People's intentions 99.9.999% of the time are good and honorable and sweet. And when they're less than that, it's not their intention. It's not the context in what they're speaking. And if you look a little further, you'll discover they had a bad day. They weren't really thinking clearly about what they were saying. They're relying on their response on something that's happened in the past. All kinds of reasons in context that would make sense of why they said what they said. Let's go back to Elton John for a minute. You know, even something like pop lyrics, there's a context around it. So back in 1972, the space program was huge. Song about Rocket Man might easily be talking about the space program, right? Elton John's context personally is very interesting. This was one of his uh, first really mega hits. It catapulted him from being a small-time kind of guy in England to an international superstar. He was, in a sense, the rocket man. And if you read the lyrics, it's all about losing a home and family to be an astronaut. Think again. The context around this song is huge. This is not just a, you know, a pop ballad kind of crazy song. Well, it is that, and we love it for that. But there is some reality behind the words here. Context is everything. The third thing that Thich Nhat Hanh tells us about listening, first the words, second the context, and third is the intention. What are the intention behind the communication? And I think we're, we've all been to the place where, you know, we, we kind of share our lives with other people. And sometimes it's, you know, how was your day? Oh, it was just fine. You know, nothing special went on. And sometimes it's like, well, I'd rather not even talk about that. These are clues 
that some activity needs to take place between you and the people that you love. When things are not playing out the way you would imagine, when the dialogue goes differently than it normally does, these are the clues that there need to be some intentions around cleaning up this dialogue, around making sure that what needs to be known is known, and questioning the people we love about our communication is actually a beautiful thing to do. So we're coming up on Valentine's Day, right? And I know you're all trying to think of the perfect gift to give your your mom or your sweetheart or your neighbor or your friend. And of course, flowers are always nice, he says, batting his eyes. But, um, (laughs) But in several national polls, do you know what people said they wanted most from the people they love? (laughs) Clean the house, Charlie. (laughs) Being understood. Number one was being understood. Really getting the people we love. Do you know what I mean? Beyond just understanding the words, beyond uh, even the context, is the need to be heard, really heard on a soul level by the people that care about us. Sharing our day in a way that isn't just superficial. Sharing what is unique and powerful and and integral about our being. This is a, a natural urge that we seek out the people we care the most about. So I want to make a suggestion on this Valentine's Day. Um, candy's always lovely, I suppose, unless you're, um, unless you don't need any more candy. And flowers are always sweet, but you know they're going to be gone in a week. What about some listening? What about really in your own heart and in your own mind, deeply caring enough to listen? So I'm going to review these three points. Listen for the words. Listen for the context, and listen for the intent and the meaning. And we can even go back to Elton John one last time, because I think the intent of this song really was a kind of a cry, if you will, for understanding on the planet. Here was a young man catapulted into the spotlight, leaving behind friends and family to embark upon uh, you know, a worldwide career. And the lyrics of the song, I think, are just very interesting. Mars ain't the kind of place to raise your kids. In fact, it's cold as hell. And there's no one there to raise them if you did. And all this science that I don't even understand because it's just my job five days a week. Rocket Man burning out his fuse up here all alone. Let us, <laughs> let us attempt to do justice to the people that we love, even as we've done a little metaphysical interpretation of song lyrics today. Let us really get to know the people that matter the most for us. Now, today we're going to do um, a kind of a couple re-declarations. I can't even talk today. Have you noticed that? A, a recommitment ceremony. And I know many of you have signed up, but I want to open this up just a little bit wider. In fact, if we have any couples here that would like to participate, whether you've signed up or not, uh, now would be the time. Because I think that it is through our coming together as couples and being witnessed by a larger group in that context that we can bear witness to one another's true life.
And so I'd invite uh, any of the couples that would like to take part in this. It's going to be a little bit like wedding vows, only they'll be kind of uh, more new thought wedding vows, if you will. And so anyone that would like to participate in this, go ahead and, and just stand up where you are um, uh, next to, the, uh, next to your, your spouse or your partner or um, your significant other. And these will be the kind of I do vows. So at a certain point, if it seems like I'm looking for you to say something, it would probably be I do. (laughs) All right. So today we come together in celebration to recognize the commitment and love that must be present for couples to thrive. It is through honesty, through support, through encouragement and faith more importantly, through love and communication, that this union grows and becomes more intimate with time. True commitment is a commitment to oneself first, to the integrity of our thoughts, our emotions, our words, and our, disease, our deeds. And as we are committed to our own vision and intentions, then, only then, we make a commitment to one another. So with this viewpoint, we can say, Because you have loved me, you have given me faith in myself. And because I have seen the good and the love in you, I have received faith in humanity itself. So may, when you say to one another, I love you, be able to say, I love in you myself, I love in you everyone, I love in you the world. So today we sanctify, bless, we encourage and support an experience of this union through our awareness of wholeness and commitment, both to self and to another. So now let us declare this commitment to our couples here today, I ask. Do you choose to bring awareness to your lives, to let go of the past and be fully present for one another? Do you know today and every moment hereafter that all things are made new. And do you choose to seek the truth, to daily express your love and appreciation for life, for yourself and for others? And do you choose to support and acknowledge your own and each other's achievements and dreams? Do you agree to love, to offer comfort, to honor, to forever cherish and appreciate each other, knowing that you each represent the face of God. And finally, do you agree to communicate openly, to really listen to to one another? And now for everyone else here, so this goes for the couples and everyone else, a vow to ourselves and to the world, if you would like to make it. So do you, everyone present here, including myself, promise your unconditional love to yourself? Do you give yourself the right to be authentically you and to lovingly communicate with others? Do you promise to be a guiding light for self, for family, for friends, and community? To love, honor, and to cherish yourself in sickness and in health for as long as you shall live? I do by the power vested in me by the centers for spiritual living, in the light of truth and on the path towards unity, I now pronounce us all beloved. So you may kiss, you may hug, you can applaud, you can cheer.